Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv slash stem cell. I'm uh, very happy to be with you here today. And uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our studies that focusing on how the microenvironment regulate vascular fate and assembly. In general, our lab is interested in understanding what regulates cellular fate to specialized cells, and then how these cells morph into functioning tissue. Specifically, we focus on the vasculature, where the vasculature grow and uh, get, getting into the homeostasis uh, state, but this homeostasis can be disrupted by uh, various extracellular stresses that could happen in, in, during disease development. I listed some here in injury and uh, in extreme conditions. What we're trying to do in the lab is activate these morphogenesis and in some cases also fate uh, uh, pathways to develop therapeutic countermeasures to restore the function, repair, and uh, towards homeostasis. So which stressors uh, we study? We study low levels of oxygen, hypoxia. We study changes in the surrounding extracellular matrix in flow and strain and radiation. Today, I'd like to focus on a couple examples surrounding the, our work with hypoxia and with the extracellular matrix. So the first study done a, a several years ago, we looked into how the differentiation or cellular or endothelial fate is impacted by hypoxia. Through the differentiation of our uh, induced pluripotent stem cells uh, through 12 days, by then, uh, back then it was about 12 days, we simply examine what happens when we, uh, doing it in a, we, do, when we do that in an atmospheric condition or in a hypoxic condition of 5%. And we notice when we culture the cells in, or differentiate the cells in 5%, we start to see these colonies and upregulation of expression of the cadherin or vascular endothelial cadherin marker for endothelial cells. Nicely, we also notice that these colonies are a V cadherin positive cells that are surrounded by PDGF receptor beta a positive cells, which are parasites. With that, we wanted to understand, is it the early stages of differentiation that impacting the uh, differentiation in hypoxia that impacting the fate or later on? So around the middle of the differentiation, around day six, this is about a mesodermal induction. So we expose the cells to a, a, what we call secondary hypoxic or primary hypoxic, as, as well the a control and continuous hypoxic. And what we have found is that when we expose the cells to a, a, a either a atmospheric condition or later stages of differentiation to hypoxia, we see no upregulation of specific endothelial marker V-cadherin and CD31. But we saw upregulation of these markers when we expose the cells uh, to early in, during early stages of differentiation to hypoxia. We have done several uh, other uh, Analysis where we show, a, again, upregulation of V-cadherin, CD31, and lectin, as well as the functionality of these cells. This study was published in, in 2014, but since then, what we notice in other published that I'm just not going to uh, go over right now, is that other stresses such as different stiffnesses of the matrices and also patterning of the extracellular matrix will impact this vascular fate. So with that in mind, 
that we know that hypoxia regulates the fate uh, towards or, or impacting the fate towards a more endothelial uh, cell. We wanted to ask uh, how the hypoxia regulate vascular integration. Specifically, Bria Macklin, who was a, a PhD a student in the lab back then, wanted to examine the, re the hypoxic retina tissue. I'll, I'll explain a little bit later why we chose this specific hypoxic retina. So the first thing she did, she just uh, compared the iPS-derived endothelial cells and mature human retina endothelial cells when she exposed them to hypoxic conditions and we have and, and we, in vitro and we saw no difference. She did notice that there is some difference in the proliferation rate of these cells in vitro, where we saw that the hypoxia did not impact the uh, iPS-derived endothelial cells a proliferation rate, but it did slow down their proliferation, the proliferation of the mature cells. She then moved to three-dimensional uh, assay where she took collagen gels and formed a network inside these collagen gels in hypoxia. And comparing, again, the iPS derivative to the mature retina endothelial cells, and she found that the hypoxic condition in the iPS case induced better and more networks compared to the retina mature endothelial cells. With that, we wanted to go in vivo and ask how we can study more about this, the integration of iPS cells in hypoxic conditions. For that, we use the uh, we collaborated with Elia Dow, who is at the Wilmer Institute at Hopkins, uh, using this uh, oxygen-induced retinopathy model, which is a classic to examine how our cells respond to hypoxia. In in the during retinopathy, retinopathy, what's happening is that the healthy vasculature are exposed to a, 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 a stress, in this case glucose, causing the capillary to drop out. This causing hypoxic or ischemic region in the retina, which is induced pathological neovascularization. What we thought we could do is basically inject the cells in that point where we are generating this ischemic condition, hypoxic conditions, and see if they are going to stabilize a, a, the retina vasculature. So the way this essay goes, we take the PAPs uh, on day seven, we expose them to, or we take them into high uh, oxygen chambers, and then move them back to atmospheric condition, which in, in induce the ischemia. And what we have found and that when we inject the iPS-derived endothelial cells into this, uh, uh, this uh, epoxic retina, they integrate very nicely with the host vasculature. And you can see here uh, in green are the injected cells, either the iPS cell derivative or the mature cells. And, and M-lectin is the mouse uh, lectin. They integrate much nicer with the uh, uh, mouse vasculature. And you can see this clearly in the, these images where we see nice integration in yellow of the uh, mouse and the human vasculature versus the uh, mature retina endothelial cells that basically generating a layer of, of vascular network kind of, of on top of the mouse vasculature. So Bria continued to ask why this is happening. She used and uh, she came up with this nice essay where she encapsulated in the collagen gel a, a SDF1 alpha, which will recruit endothelial cells and basically seeded the endothelial cells on top of this hydrogel, again, put them in hypoxic or atmospheric condition. And as you can see here, that we found that the iPS derivative penetrated better to the, uh, this collagen, either in atmospheric or a hypoxic condition. 
Indeed, she found in the hypoxic conditions that our IPS derivatives express the uh, receptor for the SDF1 uh, alpha, the CXCR4. And indeed, when we inhibited the CXCR4 using blocking antibody in vivo, when we injected that along with the cells, we see a much less integration of the human vasculature with the host vasculature. So all in all, what we're thinking is happening in the iPS derivative compared to the human retina endothelial cells, the iPS derivative proliferate faster, they're recruited to the host vasculature and integrate much more efficiently than the mature cells. So we're continuing the study to understand better also how or what is the role of the pericytes in this cascade, which are known to uh, contribute to the uh, retinopathy pathology. Uh, but in general, where we are thinking these, these studies or this area is, is going to, and I think uh, Gordana is, gave a, a good uh, overview of what we can do with uh, these cells in large scales and also in, in, in organoids on the chip, is we're thinking it's going towards tissue-specific endothelial cells, uh, where we'll be able to uh, analyze how the endothelial cells impacting specific uh, tissue or the in the tissue environment that they're in, and vice versa, how the tissue environment uh, regulate the uh, functioning of these uh, sp tissue-specific endothelial cells. And this will allow us to uh, understand more about organ morphogenesis, develop more precise uh, organ and chip models, as well as organoid, and uh, hopefully develop a, a personalized a medicine and drug a discovery in specific organs in the body. So with that, with that, we wanted to understand how hypoxia regulate vascular assembly. And vascular assembly is happening in three-dimensional. And towards that, instead of taking those collagen gels like what Bria did before and just put them in, in this uh, hypoxic chamber and then take them out and analyze them, what we, uh, Kiyong Ming Park in the lab, who was a postdoc in the lab, developed this nice uh, hydrogel system that is basically has a backbone. It could be a gelatin or polysaccharide such as dextran. And it's modulated with ferulic acid that in the presence of leches, creating this reaction that consume oxygen. What's happening is then that we have hydrogels that while it's forming in the lab, it's becoming hypoxic. So we have hypoxic environment in, 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 uh, basically on the bench. When we add cells in those uh, hydrogels, the cells continue to consume oxygen and those maintaining these hypoxic uh, levels for longer periods of time. We found that it's uh, with the endothelial cells or endothelial uh, progenitor cells, they're, uh, they're continuing these hypoxic conditions up to uh, 48 hours, which is enough to activate a uh, hypoxia inducible factors one and two which takes about uh, four to six hours to accumulate. So with this, uh, I'm not going to get into too many details, but we encapsulated here uh, endothelial colony forming cells. And as you can see here in the hypoxic condition, there was a, a, they, they, they promoted very nice vascular networks compared to the non-hypoxic, uh, which kind of uh, allow the cells to uh, sprout, but not really form robust network. 
through a series of studies, we found that the hypoxia, of course, is stabilizing hypoxic-inducible factor, in our case, both one and two, and they uh, upregulate the MMPs that allow the matrix to degrade and then to the vascular bed to form. So with that in mind, we, this was basically our first study that uh, demonstrated that there is a direct loop between a hypoxic condition impacting a, the, the matrix through their degradation. So with that, we thought about how the matrix mechanics uh, regulate this vascular morphogenesis. And, and, you know, there, there have been uh, other studies uh, uh, that show the, the impact of stiffness on network formation. But we were actually interested in a, a how vascoelasticity regulate vascular assembly. So uh, most of our, our uh, tissues in our body are basically have both elastic and viscous properties. This is a nice uh, review published last year who is demonstrating uh, the vascoelasticity properties of the, of the uh, matrix, their ability uh, to respond to deformation by uh, relaxing uh, over time. So with that in mind, we wanted to understand is vascoelasticity uh, uh, regulate this uh, morphogenesis of the vasculature. So Jai Wei and Rahel Schellemann in the lab developed this nice hydrogel system which composed from a, a dextrin, so from polysaccharide and from gelatin. And we generated two types of hydrogel system. What, one what, with what we call dynamic cross-linking, which allow us to mimic va vascoelastic properties and one that is non-dynamic cross-linking. We made sure that we can uh, decouple stiffness and stress relaxations in this uh, hydrogel. So we can make the hydrogel soft or stiff and, in, and, and maintain that uh, soft and, uh, and stiffness throughout three days in culture. This, these are no, no cells here. And these soft or stiff materials can also uh, differ in their uh, stress relaxation. And this difference in uh, stress relaxation can be maintained over a, a three days of a culture period. So with that, we wanted to understand how they modulate morphogenesis. So quickly, uh, endothelial cells morph into vascular networks through a process that starts with vacuole or a small lumen formation. Then the cells then sprout and branch and form the network. And indeed, when we encapsulated these cells in the what we call the dynamic hydrogel, the vascoelastic hydrogel, they form uh, these beautiful networks versus the non-dynamic uh, hydrogel. We see that they are forming some network, but not as robust and, and uh, complex as in the dynamic hydrogels. And you can see here a luminal structure uh, forming in the uh, dynamic uh, hydrogels, which we cannot find in the non-dynamic hydrogel. We then wanted to understand more what is the mechanism uh, that regulate this process. And uh, we first uh, examined if the vacuole and lumen formation process, which takes in culture about four to six hours, is modulated between the two hydrogel, and we did not find any difference. Both of them allow the cells to undergo vacuole and, and, and small lumen formation. Then we hypothesized that what's happening in our hydrogels is that uh, the uh, dynamic hydrogels allow the cells to contract 
and push and allowing them to sprout. And this does not happen in the non-dynamic hydrogels because they are not flexible. And indeed, by, by encapsulating fluorescent bead and following them with time-lapse, we could see that the fluorescence beads move while we have cells in the hydrogels move a, a, a further and faster in the dynamic hydrogel compared to the non-dynamic hydrogels. And indeed, when we stand for a, a contractile marker, the phosphorylated MLC, a myosin light chain, we could see that the, a, a, that the cells in the dynamic hydrogel are contractile. We also noticed that a, a, this a contractility is leading to integrin clustering. And you can see that with a, a, the a basically clustering of integrin beta one in the dynamic and not in the non-dynamic. We also done some a, a, a QPCR a, and show the differences in integrin beta one and integrin alpha V a, in the dynamic versus the non-dynamic. This lead to large uh, focal adhesion formation here marked by vinicolin. Again, that we could see the difference between the dynamic and non-dynamic. And when we inhibit the contractility of these cells with blabestatin, we could see, uh, of course, a downregulation of the integrin clustering. And this leads also to inhibition of network when we inhibit cell contractility compared to a, a controls. We then uh, looked into deactivation and phosphorylation of focal adhesion kinases. And again, we could see upregulation in the dynamic hydrogel and the non-dynamic hydrogel. When we inhibit phosphorylation of focal uh, adhesion kinases, we could see uh, inhibition of the network compared to the control. Our cells are not just sitting there and starting to make networks. They are actually uh, uh, inter in, uh, interact with the matrix. They start to degrade the matrix and they degraded a, a faster um, and better with the, in the dynamic hydrogel. And we, we, so we see that with expression of a, the membrane MP1, NMP, MP, MMP1, and MMP9. And again, when we uh, inhibit uh, with the general inhibitor of uh, MMPs, we could see inhibition of network formation. Nicely, we could also see that when we inhibit the MMP, we could see uh, that the degradation of the matrix that is seen here with the uh, reduction in stiffness, it's, it's slowing down uh, uh, with, with that inhibition. Nicely, these cells would also produce their own extracellular matrix, both collagen-4 and laminin. And you can see here very, very nicely in red, the collagen-4 is deposited around a luminal a structure in the dynamic hydrogels. Finally, we also examined if, uh, the relevancy of the system for in vivo as we were thinking about uh, therapeutics and we injected them with the endothelial colony forming cells. We can see here network forming and the dynamic hydrogels. And here you see uh, uh, the day seven, we see a uh, larger uh, vessels in those hydrogels. And we can also see uh, when we uh, inject the cells, and this was done subcutaneously, when we inject these cells with no cells, we see that these hydrogels, sorry, inject the hydrogels, we see that they encourage angiogenesis uh, by these CD31 positive cells in the high dynamic hydrogels, which we could barely find in the non-dynamic hydrogel. And if we found them, they would be typically at the interface between the tissue and the hydrogels. By injecting to the tail vein, either Evans blue or lectin, we, we also confirm the functionality of those uh, angiogenic vessels. 
we concluded that the dynamic uh, networks allow the uh, cells to contract, and this activates integrin clustering, followed by focal addition activation, MMP expression, and also extracellular matrix deposition, and all of that allow for a morphogenesis to happen. And with that, I'm going to finish. I'm just going to summarize that we, we found that oxygen tension regulates vascular fate uh, using a matrix remodeling, and it also regulates vascular integration with host vasculature, and that a, a hydrogel networks dynamic of viscoelasticity regulate vascular assembly. Uh, just to thank uh, all the people that done the work, I tried to mention throughout the presentation, of course, our collaborators and our funders.